Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Michael Sandoval and Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Sandoval. And I'm Chris Detzel. Chris, nice to see you again. Cheers. 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 Yeah. What are you having for beer today? Uh, today, it's a little bit of a Lakewood Lager. I've been kind of going back and forth a bit with uh, uh, Blood and Honey from Revolver, but they're always just Texas beers. And yeah, Lake, uh, Lakewood Lager as well. Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, it's. Uh, I know we're supposed to be practicing a little bit of social distancing. This is a, you know, uh, here in Dallas, Texas, but uh, we are in the same studio. We're just chit-chatting across from each other, but we are assure everybody we're in totally safe distances. Uh, we have a special guest with us today, uh, uh, Erica Cool. Say hello, Erica. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you, Erica. You're joining us a little bit uh, distant. We were talking earlier that you're all the way from uh, uh, Boulder, Colorado. Yes, plenty of social distancing for us. Yes, Definitely. plenty of social distancing. There's no problem. Uh, the wonderful thing about technology is that we can be uh, anywhere and still be able to talk about some fun stuff, even on the community side. So welcome. Thank you very much, Erica, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Uh, so, uh, so Chris, you were telling me a little bit about the story, about how we got a chance to talk with Erica. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's funny, Erica. This is all about community, right? So, um, I was talking to this guy. His name is John Layton. Or actually, I wasn't even talking to him. I see this post uh, from from John Layton on LinkedIn. It was like a tag or something, and he was like, "You should meet Chris Dutzel," and I'm like. Who's this? And so on the post, uh, you know who Craig from, uh, is it um, something AMP, uh, Culture AMP, or do you know who yep. I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. What? And uh, he, he said something like, hey, I'm going to be in Austin and Dallas on these dates. If anybody can meet, let me know. And then John tagged me in there. Hey, you got to meet Chris Detzel. And I was like, okay, yeah. Hey, so I reached out to Craig and he was like, yeah, let's meet. And so we finally met. Um and we had uh, we met at this taco place, and then uh, I was like, "Hey, dude, there's this place we can go drink some beers and stuff at uh, People's Last Stand." So we did. And then he was telling me that I guess you guys were hel- or you were helping him and stuff like that. And he goes, "Yeah, I know, I know Erica." I was like, "Really?" I go, <laughs> "I go, that's great. How do you know her?" And he goes, "Well, he's doing, she's doing some stuff for us." And I was like, "That's pretty cool." And I go, "Well, why don't I?" take a picture of us and I'll t- p- post it on Twitter and just get her to, to say something like, Oh, that's cool. Or something like that. And you did. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, that is so cool. And then, um, so he left and everything really, really cool guy. I really like him a lot. And then, um, and, and that's the only time I ever met him. Now we've been on some calls sort of together since. And then Blake, probably a month or so later, and goes, hey, why don't you ask Erica to be on your uh, podcast? And I was like, well, okay, I wonder if she would even say yes. And I, I was like, I'll just go for it. And you, here you are. So I want to thank you for coming. <laughs> Little did you know then that I have a really hard time saying no. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Uh, I want well, to as well. I want we, to as well, of course. <laughs> no, of course. But we'll, we'll we'll take every. No offense. We'll, we we take advantage of the uh, of the opportunity to say hello. It's yeah. wonderful to Absolutely. have you on our on our <laughs> on our show. And of course, uh, you know, you. Uh, I think the wonderful thing about you, because of course, within our audience, a lot of folks know you from uh, from your time over at Salesforce. So uh, yeah. 
I won't spend too much time in that because I think that's kind of where we'll talk about peace. But uh, uh, I'd be very curious about your current venture. I mean, you know, what what do you you know your your company, what you do, and who you uh, consult with? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing today? Yeah, and I'm gonna I'll talk a little bit about why because that's I think a lot of the questions people have is you know why did you leave and you know what was the what was there a, a a moment, a catalyzing moment. And, and there really wasn't a catalyzing moment, rather that I felt like the community industry is not moving fast enough. I, I'm pretty mm. surprised at still uh, what we're still working through. And um, I feel like I want us to be farther. And so I felt like I could do more for this industry if I step out of the world of Salesforce and try to help as many customers as I can with the playbooks and the frameworks and all of the bumps in the road that I went through at Salesforce, if I could provide that to as many companies as possible um, at quicker, make that happen quicker for them and they could raise the boats. And I, I really do feel like and this may be a grandiose thing to say, but I feel like we're going to be a better society if we all invest in community, because that means better collaboration, better innovation with our with our brands and, and better communication with our customers. And I just think entirely we'll function better. And so that's why I decided to step out of Salesforce and um, start my own consultancy and take all of that experience and package it up and provide it to customers that want to prioritize community like we did at Salesforce. Yeah, well, you're you're definitely preaching to the choir. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Believe it. Like uh, I was talking, I was looking at Chris, and because uh, we also, especially a lot of our audience members, are in that same boat where they know yeah. they have to start, not too sure where, and then I think about my goodness, this is, you know, this is my twentieth year kind of doing this stuff. How could this can't be new, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, Still new, <laughs> it is, uh, uh, and and surely kind of that's kind of what we like to talk about you know helping folks through that curve fundamentally right so knowledge yeah curve. yeah that's exactly right uh, so and I do agree I think the more and more you know you get to talk to people I'm sure you're in the same way you know the more you talk to some of these companies you get to we talk about some of the benefits like you you sharpen the skill of the company you bring them a little bit closer together you know and it's kind of helps in that regard I mean everybody yeah. has a journey everybody has a journey. And it, it's incredible to me since I've been doing this. This is only six months. I only left in October. Um, and in that six months, I have talked to such a wide variety of clients. And I've actually signed quite a few. And they're not only just enterprise SaaS, which is what I originally thought. We're yeah. talking big healthcare companies, B2B companies, education companies, mm. and in all in all different types of personas. And I just, I'm so excited about it. And I, I've talked to so many people uh, that it isn't just a matter of if you should do this, you need to do this. And so now people are finally really latching onto that idea. And I'm pretty convinced, I'd say I'm 90% convinced that there is not in any kind of industry that could not benefit from having a rich and robust and vibrant community around it. I mean, it's just name it and you, you'll you get benefit from it. Yep, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of dive a little bit into that. So you said kind of like a broad base, and I know we're kind of just starting, and you, I mean, your adventure is kind of starting, but I'm sure you've had enough data now to kind of understand what you've been seeing. But yeah. you said you have a broad aspect, you know, from B2B to education yeah. and to others. Are there some similarities you're seeing from kind of their spits and starts, if you will, uh, 
and why they pull you in? Or is there kind of a cross section of reasons? I think there's a, a lot of different reasons. I think they fall into four different buckets. Uh, the first bucket is we are brand new to community and we need the full playbook. So give us the, the Trailblazer community playbook as it was oh, yeah. at, at Salesforce. Um, there's, the, there's the playbook. The next version is we have this program and we want it to scale either in numbers or globally. Uh, the third bucket is we have all of these things that we're doing. We just need to consolidate into a cohesive strategy mm. so there's good alignment and that we can be set up for success in the future. And then the fourth bucket is just advisory and mentorship and coaching because mm. I've been at this for quite some time. And so they want me to just sit on their shoulder Um you know, of course, not really. Uh, yeah. And now I can't. Now I can't do that anyway. But, um, <laughs> not appropriate. Not appropriate. Personal space. Personal space. Especially today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for all those reasons, but like hypothetically, sit on their shoulder and and provide them um, and look at the things that they're doing. Provide them my feedback and my yeah. input and um, stop them from maybe going different directions or figure out where to cut or change or grow. So those are the four different things that I'm helping out with. Now, I don't, there might be other things that other people in my, my type of consultancy do, but that's what people are coming to me for. That's seemingly what they're coming to me for. Yeah, it seems very practical stuff, right? Uh, and I think yeah. that, you know, Chris and I, when we talk about things, uh, you know, people out there, especially in this field, uh, you know, by at some level, they already are saying, hey, I think we need to have this, you know, yeah. how does one get started, right? And yeah. do you think for as much resources are out there, they're actually, everything is almost, I wouldn't say the word customized, but the way you kind of sell community into a company really depends on each and every case, right? You kind of have yeah. to get some information inside. Um, and it's always people focused, right? That's the thing. Uh I don't know if you've had any challenges there, but or at least, you know, in a company kind of coming in, how to how to sell these internally to the, I was going to say enterprise, but it sounds like you're dealing with some folks that are also yeah. very small as well. Uh, I, Not very small. I think term, right, right. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely thought it was going to only be big, but it's definitely not. Um, but yeah. I have to tell you that I, I'm not really in the business of trying to sell community into a company. I'm more in the business of once they have said it's a priority, and then they want to do it right. Um, then I'm your ah. gal. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's I, good. Yeah. I come in to help them make certain they've got business goal alignment. They've got stakeholder alignment. They've got a mm. clear roadmap. They've got milestones. They've got the right budget. They've got the right resources. They've got the right program frameworks. Yeah. That's what, that's what I do. That's what I've done. And I'm, I'm kind of that middle type consultant where I'm not a, a swoop and poop. Like I don't just come in. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> We've all had experience with some of those. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't like that at all. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can't do that, but I also know that I'm not supposed to be the person that's deep tactical execution either. I live right. in the I live in that middle ground of, strategy execution based strategy if that's yeah. even a thing i just made that up right now but whatever that is yeah totally you can, you can, you can totally trademark it it's, it's quite a yeah, right. I was about to say. there you go <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know kind of being in this field what are 
you know, cause like I think about my time and kind of doing these things and if folks ask me like, what, what drives you, Mike, why, why do you do it? And the thing for me that gets me very excited is, mm-hmm. is that you can actually see it work, right? Like you can physically see the change in the company culture as this thing begins to unravel. I don't, I don't know if that is the right term to unravel, but <laughs> like in a good way, like you can see a company change for the better. I don't know about you, how, you know, what, what are some of the things that really kind of get you excited when you, whether you're at Salesforce or even today, what are the things that make you excited about, about this yeah. uh, effort? Oh, I think it's customer a hundred percent of the time for me being able to see the impact that I'm able to make on their lives um, or in their businesses, that's driven me from the start. And then the impact that it has on the business, that comes next. I mean, it's equally important, but I, I, anyone knows me and has watched my work, they know that I'm, I've been laser focused on the customer's success and then be able to then show the value of that to the business. So we, as a, as a brand, get that value as well. So I get so excited when I, when I see it really um, working and when it's really impacting and you see the, the community themselves get so fired up about it, meeting new people, mentoring each other, growing each other. You know, this, th- these are the things that motivate me and they always have. Um, and so that's what I look for. And that's the types of companies that I want to work for now is those companies that are really invested in that. So it's not just about uh, ROI right out the gate, but of course ROI, but really about um, driving real change in, in their customers' lives. You know, if you bring up something very interesting, one of the things we asked, we're asked a lot about is ROI, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, because one of the things we, we kind of talk through a lot is this idea that a community, unlike a lot of other business activities, you can launch and get some immediate feedback, right? right? Think about marketing campaigns or even like a launch website versus a community is an investment in time, right? So you invest upfront and then if you cultivate it well enough, it'll pay back in, I was going to say dividend, but not that, not capital D dividend, but little dividend, yes. right? Like it's a big thing that comes back to the company and it's almost um, an X factor of payback, right? So that yes. investment is very fortuitous. And it's an amazingly how you can measure this, right? But it does take some time on the investment of, the, uh, of it. Um, you know, do you have any advice for some of those, uh, you know, community managers out there that are mm-hmm. in the midst of, you know, it, you know, they're like in, and you know how we are quarter to quarter. They're in the second quarter of this and they're still trying to kind of punch through. I mean, you know, how do you, any advice there about like, uh, you know, keep the faith or something in that regard, because this this will, this too shall pass. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. You have to stay laser focused on data. You have to fall in love with data. I wasn't originally a a lover of data until I saw it work. And, you you know, I, what I tell the stakeholders that I talk to, and I'm talking to stakeholders at the CMO level and the the head of customer success and things like that. Um, and I tell them that, yes, they will. And yes, they should get yes, that exactly. payoff. But yep. that what they need to do is build build hypotheses, you know, pick a North Star, set a North Star metrics and, and, and then set health metrics as you go, more basic engagement metrics as you go, and then work towards those. But those can't be your sole driving force out the gate because the community will, they'll feel that from the very beginning. But 
you have to lay the foundations and the frameworks as you're building a community so that you can get those because that is what will originally keep the community around longer, get the investment in the community, and therefore then make the community happier. I, I couldn't believe the impact that it had on the community at Salesforce when I was there. When I was, when I finally was forced to prove <laughs> out, to, because I had to be. No, to trust, I get out. it. Trust, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I mean, <laughs> Erica, it, it, it's funny because you're you're preaching to the choir with Michael for sure. Yeah. Uh, when he was my boss over at Rexel, uh -huh. that's all we talked about. His yeah. boss, that's all he talked about. Uh, we had a guy that ran just data, right? And, mm -hmm. and he had a data science team and everything else. And so. I, I love what you're saying and yeah. it's hard though. It's really hard. It is hard, but you know, here's, here's what happens is that once you figure out how to do it. So once you align to those business goals. So when I was at Salesforce, what was important was um, deal sizes, um, pipeline, attrition, and the product adoption. And when I drove correlation to those four, because it's correlation, but strong correlation to those four, then it was jaw dropping to be able to see that impact. And then, then therefore, almost exactly when, is when my budget grew, is when my team grew, and then therefore the community celebrated. When, so they were okay even understanding that I was proving out business value because it meant more investment in the community that was there in place to make them more successful. So it's this like victorious cycle of I never felt uncomfortable talking to the community themselves about the business value I was proving internally because it meant that they were going to get investment. Do you know what I mean? Like it's this, yeah. it's this wonderful oh, that's circle. Yeah. Like in, in, in some way by being, I know you talk about this idea of asking permission. Yeah. Uh, yes. That in some level, uh, I'm asking this of you because you're going to help me make you more successful, Mr. Customer. Yes, or Mrs. that's Customer. exactly right. Because I, as I sell this internally, it only helps us in budget resource. In exactly. Way. And they know because I, I started out with them in mind. That I, actually they already... I actually haven't thought about that point. That's actually not really? <laughs> yeah, for as long as I saw it, I mean, I never thought about it. actually the community like, hey, can you help us out and kind of uh, – <laughs> because you know why? Because I, and, and I think it's good to talk about because – we, I think we always treat these budget conversations internally, like yeah. behind a closed door uh, and some level kind of very being open about uh, the priorities of the company help us make this yeah. a priority so we can help you seems like a very I, valid strategy. Yep. I never, I, I live a hundred percent out loud and we have this concept at Salesforce. We, I keep saying we, I wonder when I'll stop saying we. Maybe like uh, I, I still I still say it. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I, they're always going to be a part of me. I mean, they'll always yes. be a part of my soul. They but um, at, at Salesforce, we had a v, a V2 mom process. It's like OKRs or KPIs or whatever. It was a. It stands for the V. First V is vision. The second V is values. The first M is methods. Then it's obstacles for O and metrics for the last M. V2 mom and. Uh, mm. We we did them and we lived by them all the way from Mark Benioff, our CEO, to every individual contributor at the company did a V2 mom. And I was always pretty darn public about my V2 mom with my community so that they always felt invested, maybe too much, 
maybe almost too much because <laughs> you know there. But it, look, a community it manager that's over the top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that? yeah. That's, what a surprise! That's well, one thing to be said about. You know, this is the wonderful thing we love talking about. You know, with community members, and I'm sure you know you and I. We've all been to these conferences. It's one thing we don't shy away from is actually talking to each other are very quite gregarious individuals yeah yeah that is true <laughs> we'll, we'll keep talking till the cows come home it's pretty funny that is, that is true or, or chatty but, kathy but i like i i like being transparent with them and i i think it's um it was really important to, you in the whole concept of permission is about trust and i i yes, think that i I, I built trust early and often and I, I never shied away from it and that then therefore when I needed something when we were growing this and we we're ready to mature it it became about what's best for them overall as a community and then you know reinvesting back into them so it, it was it's a it was a good conversation most of the time <laughs> yeah no, and I know and I the, the concept of trust I think we've I mean I've we've kind of waxed on about this subject mm-hmm. even with uh, Chris uh, and some other my community member friends about trust. I mean, that's fundamentally what makes a community successful is the trust that you're able right. to build in a community. Right. Um, and that's you know, one of the first things I look to see, you know, on the health of a community, whether or not there's a fundamental trust. And it can it can go in so many levels, like the trust in the brand, the trust in the, yeah. you, know, the you know, a bunch of other things that kind of go in that, uh, that it, uh, piece. It doesn't have to be 100% pro the brand either. I, I'm a big fan of the fact that I was always saying like, our community is not here to just be cheerleaders and rah-rah advocates. Hmm. They're, they're, they're there because we invested in them and we, they trust us, we trust them. We need to hear the real deal. So when, you know, but we need to hear it in a, in, in a considerate and constructive and not combative way, but a collaborative way so that we can work together as a team and partner so that when things need to be escalated, we can do so in a, in a really um, a really collaborative way rather than it just being like, you suck at this, yeah, you, exactly. suck at that, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that was, um, I, I didn't want the community to feel like they couldn't be themselves or say what they wanted to say, uh, in a trusted environment. That's for them. Like we're visiting them in their community, not the other way around. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of thinking about a little bit about kind of the types of communities you've been able to work with, I, I, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the communities that we've been privileged to be a part of have been very much kind of product supporting type of communities. Uh, have you in your business at this moment kind of explored other types of communities, you know, like maybe yeah. uh, inspirational type of communities? Yeah. Type of, uh, and, and how are, do you see any differences in, in, in those or is it always about, and I, I'm almost asking the question kind of like, duh, of course, mm-hmm. it's around trust, but. Uh, do you still see the same kind of kind of core basics and how you kind of get a community started or how you uh, ramp them up? Yeah, they, I think they they all have somewhat similar frameworks and playbooks, but it's it's very different. My the very first client, in fact, it, it was Culture Amp. I I felt like I I struck it gold. I mean, I don't know how I got so lucky to get Culture Amp as my first client and. Um, but they are a movement-based community. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's very different. I think that Salesforce became a movement later. Yeah, yeah, but it was very much around Salesforce, the product was the glue that held everybody together. Whereas at CultureAmp, it's, it's not so much 
the product, it's more the, the movement to make the world of work better, you know, to make, to, to really focus on culture and changing the way people show up at work. And I mean, I'm oversimplifying and Craig would probably kill me about that definition, but, if <laughs> I, I, but what I mean is it, it's not so much about the product. So I had to bend my brain a little bit when I'm working with them because I fall back into everything being about product and adoption and selling and um, attrition. And it, right. it's different. It's different with a, so the business goals are slightly different and the types of things and how you set the frameworks up are slightly different. But at the end of the day, it's people. These are people and their, their motivations. You have to find what drives them, what excites them. And you have to gain that same trust because they're people regardless. So it's, I think that the movement-based communities is a, is a different thing. And I'm loving getting to figure that out and um, bed my brain to learn something new that way. Um, that's one type. The other type is more of like, um, like in the healthcare kind of world where that yeah. community, community means something different to them. Uh, but working with that kind of a, a broader goal of, of um, social, you know, social anxieties and mental health. And like that just takes it to yet another whole level when you're getting to work with building a community for something like that. So it's, yeah, it's fun, yeah. isn't it? I've had the pleasure to do so that too. Fun. It's really fun. Oh my gosh. Like I, I am, I, have, I really do truly have so much fun now. I had fun at Salesforce too, but this is like, uh, this is, it's just meeting all of these people and applying all of this to all these different industries is just a blast. It is really a blast. I'll say this, Erica, and it's kind of funny because whenever you mentioned Culture Amp, mm -hmm. uh, Craig just seems to really just live Culture Amp. He, yeah. he just is that, you know, and, and it's just, Culture Craig, Culture Craig. Culture Craig. <laughs> it's kind of who he is. I'll, I'll tag him later uh, and, and say that, but uh, it was just kind of funny, so. Yeah, but it's good. He He's a, you have to have that, you know, you. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, I talk a lot about the importance of, of community, community managers or, you know, whatever you want to call, um, call them. And they, they are modeling the behaviors that you want to see in your community. And they're, they're representing your brand and, and they're the personalities that's going to drive what the personality of your community is, is going to be. And at a level at which Culture Amp is, they have such an incredibly passionate user base and community and and it has a lot to do with the type of people like Craig. And there's a lot more than just Craig, too. He has an incredible oh, yeah. team like Deb and, and I just have a, a, um, Brad, the leader of their team. It's just it's it's magical when you have that kind of passion. You're bound to have a passionate community around you. Yeah, they're great. And I uh, <laughs> um, I often say that uh, the community manager itself almost has to be that inspirational individual, right, that can really kind of be that. Uh, yeah. And in some cases, they, they, they have to be a bit of a cheerleader, right, to kind of help them through. Uh, yeah. But it's important to find yeah. that one person. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so, Erica, we're going to be closing um, our session with you. But before I let you go, you know, in this moment in time where we're all kind of hunkered down, do you have a really good Netflix uh, suggestion? <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> I, I just catch finished... cold. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I watch a ton of Netflix. I just finished the whole Transparent series. 
And I yeah, it was great. I've seen I that. love. Oh, it. really? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I really, asking for I, a friend. <laughs> yes, there you go. I bin, I binged it. I binged it. Of course, like I'm a Maisel fan. The marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You know, it's um, but that that Amazon Prime, not Netflix. I can't. I can never remember. Um, if uh, yeah, that nor, is, nor do I. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm a huge um, and I also watched on Netflix uh, Modern Love, the whole Modern Love series. I thought was really pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an original series with a ton of really great talent. Uh, yeah, so those are my lately ones that I just have been watching. Well, excellent. Now that we uh, have talked wonderful things about comedian, how to get started. Uh, so, uh, Erica, on the podcast, I'll uh, have a link to your place and uh, how to get a hold of you. Uh, I don't know if you're open to questions, but if they come our way, sure, we'll, of course. we'll send you a tweet. Uh, and I have to just thank you personally for all the uh, wonderful conversation we've had. And uh, it's just great to always to meet another another person out in the field kind of doing the good work. So yeah, thank you very much thank for joining you. us. Yeah, yeah no thanks problem. so much, Erica. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. This, thank you. This closes up another uh, episode of Peers Over Beers. Uh, this has been Michael Sandoval. And I'm Chris Detzel. All right. Thank you guys very much. You have a nice evening.